It starts with the desire to live beyond the walls of mediocrity, outside the confines of normal. People who laugh at the ridiculous notion of comfort. It's a community of performers. People with a fire to build their own roads and control their own destiny. Welcome to The Chad Shipley Show. Hey everyone, Chad here. Welcome to another edition of The Chad Shipley Show, where I bring you interesting, insightful, and entertaining content, or people. This whole show is designed to help you stimulate... <laughs> I should be uh, should be more cautious when I'm writing this material. This whole show is designed to help you stimulate ideas and where possible to help you learn how to execute better. The show is very wide-ranging in audience from those still trying to find their place in the world to executives at billion-dollar companies. There's something here for everyone and anyone that has a constant pursuit to get better. And today, ironically enough, we'll take a look at three different types of people that exist in this world through the eyes of Dr. David J. Schwartz and his book, The Magic of Thinking Big. Now, I introduced this book in my last episode by the same name. The episode name is called The Magic of Thinking Big. And I introduced it by reading the preface, which I found to be very powerful. And then going into some personal experiences where the power of thought in wanting a certain life has had a profound impact on me personally. If you've yet to listen to that show, you do not have to stop this one and then go listen to that first. They are independent of one another from a content perspective, but I would definitely recommend going back and checking that out at some point in time. The book is packed with so much amazing content. I'm sure I'll be talking about it more than just these two episodes, but I have a particular section that I wanted to read today and then unpack it just a little bit. I purposely want this episode to be short and strength, short and strength, short and length. So I'm just going to read and then provide a little commentary around how I am thinking about the three different types of people and where I think I fall in or have fallen into different categories in the past. Hopefully my insights and experience can be helpful to some of you that maybe it's some of the, the same roadblocks that I've been at. So to the book we go. Environment shapes us, makes us think the way we do. Try to name just one habit or one mannerism you have that you did not pick up from other people. Relatively minor things like the way we walk, cough, hold a cup, our preferences for music, literature, entertainment, clothing, all stem in a very large part from environment. More important, the size of your thinking, your goals, your attitudes, your very personality is formed by your environment. Prolonged association with negative people makes us think negatively. <laughs> Close contact with petty individuals develops petty habits in us. On the bright side, companionship with people with big ideas raises the level of our thinking. Experts agree that the person you are today, your personality, ambitions, present status in life are largely the result of your psychological environment. And experts agree also that the person you will be 1, 5, 10, 20 years from now depends almost entirely on your future environment. You will change over the months and years. This we know. But how you will change depends on your future environment. 
the mind food you feed yourself. Let's look now at what we can do to make our future environment pay off in satisfaction and prosperity. And just a personal comment here. This is why I'm such a huge believer in mentors and having great mentors. And I have this theme called fire your boss, where I'm not actually telling people to go fire their boss literally, although some might want to think about doing that. It's more of a understanding that we all need to be constantly fed. We're like plants, right? And we need water and we need nutrition and we need sunlight and we need the opportunity to really have the right environment to grow in. And if you're not getting that, you have to fire the person that was supposed to give it to you and find it somewhere else. So if your boss is not a great mentor to you, you have to seek mentoring somewhere else. The other concept around mentoring, and I talk about this a lot, when I talk to like managers or directors or senior managers, even executives, there, there's sometimes this notion that they're at a level where they don't need mentoring anymore. Their whole focus is on how they become better mentors and mentor down. That is really, that's a really crazy idea to me. That's really bad. You could be like the highest level in the world and you still need mentoring to some degree because as we talked about in the past, no one has all of their shit figured out. So we all need to constantly be learning, growing, expanding. We all need mentors. Okay. Rant over, back to the book. The number one obstacle on the road to high-level success is the feeling that major accomplishment is beyond reach. This attitude stems from many, many suppressive forces that direct our thinking towards mediocre levels. And just a side note, I love that he uses the word mediocre so much in this book because I really use that word a lot. I hate the notion of mediocrity. Okay, back to the book. To understand these suppressive forces, let's go back to a time when we were children. As children, all of us set high goals. At a surprisingly young age, we made plans to conquer the unknown, to be leaders, to attain positions of high importance, to do exciting and stimulating things, to become wealthy and famous, in short, to be first, biggest, and best. In our blessed ignorance, we saw our way clear to accomplish these goals. But what happened? Long before we reached the age when we could begin to work toward our great objectives, a multitude of suppressive influences went to work. And just a side note, I have a blog on this called Demystify Your Dreams. I wrote it a long time ago, so it's not like I read this book and then went and read, wrote on... Blah, 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 blah. It's not like I read this book and then went and wrote on that exact same topic. I actually wrote about this a while back. It ties in really nice. I plug my blogs a lot. I'm not going to do that here because I want to make this a little bit shorter. Okay, back to the book. From all sides we heard, it's foolish to be a dreamer and that our ideas were impractical, stupid, naive, or foolish, that you have got to have money to go places, that luck determines who gets ahead, or you've got to have important friends, or you're too old or too young. As a result of being bombarded with the you can't get ahead so don't bother to try propaganda, most people you know can be classified into three groups. First group. Those who surrender completely. The majority of people are convinced deep down inside that they haven't got what it takes. The real success, real accomplishments is for others who are lucky or fortunate in some special respect. You can easily spot these people because they go to great lengths to rationalize their status and explain how happy they really are. A very intelligent man, age 32, who has dead-ended himself in a safe but mediocre position. Ugh, love that. 
recently spent hours telling me why he was so satisfied with his job. He did a good job of rationalizing, but he was only kidding himself and he knew it. What he really wanted was to work in a challenging situation where he could grow and develop, but the multitude of suppressive influences had convinced him that he was inadequate for big things. This group is, in reality, just the other extreme of the discontented job switcher searching for opportunity, rationalizing yourself into a rut, which incidentally has been described as a grave with both ends up, can be as bad as wandering aimlessly, hoping opportunity will somehow, someday, hit you in the face. Second group, those who surrendered partially. A second but much smaller group enters adult life with considerable hope for success. These people prepare themselves, they work, they plan, but after a decade or so, resistance begins to build up. Competition for top-level jobs looks rugged. This group then decides that greater success is not worth the effort. They rationalize, we're earning more than the average and we live better than the average. Why should we knock ourselves out? Actually, this group has developed a set of fears. Fear of failure, fear of social disapproval, fear of insecurity, fear of losing what they already have. These people aren't satisfied because deep down they know they have surrendered. This group includes many talented, intelligent people who elect to crawl through life because they were afraid to stand up and run. Third group, those who never surrender. This group may be two or three percent of the total. And that's a really that's a really important point. I, so many people are always out there trying to figure out how I'm one of them, right? Trying to figure out how to keep climbing the ladders and all the areas of life that mean something to us. We buy all these books and we try to dissect what really accomplished people in whatever discipline we're trying to become accomplished in. That's a great way to do it, right? Figure out what they did, deconstruct it and apply it to your same life or to your life. But in all reality, like, there's a very small group of people that are actually willing to keep dreaming big and going for big things. And if you don't have that, all of the rest of it just falls down. Everyone listening to this show that's listening to this in hopes of getting better and becoming bigger and climbing and reaching levels of accomplishment, if you're not in this group, if you're not the type of person that constantly is telling yourself, there is no wall I cannot climb over or run through, then you are setting yourself up for failure because no matter what tactics you come up with and what knowledge you gain, if you don't have that fundamental belief in yourself that there's nothing, nothing that's going to stop you, then you're never going to be able to break through and use all of the things that you're spending so much time learning. And that was kind of like a self pep talk for me. So sorry about that. Okay. Those who never surrender, this group, maybe two or 3% of the total, doesn't let pessimism dictate, doesn't believe in surrendering, doesn't believe in surrendering to suppressive forces, doesn't believe in crawling. Instead, these people live and breathe success. This group is the happiest because it accomplishes the most. These people become top salesmen, top executives, top leaders in their respective fields. These people find life stimulating, rewarding, worthwhile. These people look forward to each new day, each new encounter with other people as adventures to be lived fully. Let's be honest, all of us would like to be in the third group, the one that finds greater success each year, the one that does things and gets results. To get and stay in this group, however, 
we must fight off the suppressive influences of our environment to understand how persons in the first and second groups will unwittingly try to hold you back study this example suppose you tell several of your average friends with the greatest and don't don't tell them that they're average by the way suppose you tell several of your average friends with the greatest sincerity someday i'm going to be vice president of this company what will happen your friends will probably think you are joking. And if they should believe you mean it, chances are they will say, you poor guy, you sure have a lot to learn. Behind your back, they may, they may even question whether you have all of your marbles. <laughs> this book was written some time ago, so some of the language in it is funny because it reminds me of the way that like my parents and their parents talked, marbles. Okay, anyway. Now, assume you repeat the same statement with equal sincerity to the president of your company. How will he react or she react? One thing is certain. He will not laugh. He will look at you intently and ask himself, does this fellow really mean this? But he will not, we repeat, laugh because big men do not laugh at big ideas or Suppose you tell some average people you plan to own an expensive home and they might laugh at you because they think it's impossible, but tell your plan to a person already living in an expensive home and he won't be surprised. He knows it is impossible because he's already done it. Remember, people who tell you it cannot be done almost always are unsuccessful people, are strictly average or mediocre at best in terms of accomplishment. The opinions of these people can be poison. Okay, I gotta read that one more time. Remember, people who tell you it cannot be done almost always are unsuccessful people, are strictly average or mediocre at best in terms of accomplishment. The opinions of these people can be poison. Develop a defense against people who want to convince you that you can't blah, 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 blah. develop a defense against people who want to convince you that you can't do it. Accept negative advice only as a challenge to prove that you can do it. Be extra, extra cautious about this. Don't let negative thinking people, negators, negators. I don't I don't know what word he's saying there. Negators, I guess. Destroy your plan to think yourself to success. Negators are everywhere, and they seem to delight in sabotaging the positive progress of others. So as I'm reading that, I'm thinking to myself, like everyone listening to this has probably got so many people popping up in their head that just constantly pull them down. They're like baggage. I I have a whole nother thing called set your baggage on fire, but these people are just baggage. They're anchors from hell. And the bad part is most of those people, well, I don't, depending on your situation, it could be the majority of those people are people that really love you and they just don't have this big-minded mentality. So they think that they're almost protecting you by giving you limited views of the world and what you can become in the world because they don't want you to be set up for failure. But failure is thinking small and never trying. If you think big and you go for it, not getting there or getting to where you maybe thought you wanted to be, that's not failure. Failure is thinking of things in the terms of mediocrity and then never going for it. 
Now, as I said, I wanted to unpack this a little. I know a lot of people that are in this third category, people that are climbing like crazy. A lot of people actually in the Leaders on the Rise Facebook group, Lauren Schaefer, I talk about her all the time. She's doing big things. But on the side of doing big things from an athletic performance, she's got this big dream for where she wants to be professionally. And her and I had a, a, a conversation about that and it's got me thinking and I'm trying to figure out how, how can I be a part of this and, and, and help support her and her big dreams because that's awesome. Those are the people that like I wanna be surrounding myself with. You know, the first part of this, it talked about the, the, what your environment and if you're around negative people, how, how bad that can be of an influence to you. There's a, there's a common, I don't know what to call it, but you are the average of the five people you surround yourself with. And it's so true. Like if you, if your environment is people that think small and that just want to be average and want to be mediocre and they want to just do the same job for the next 30 years and make a certain pay and live a certain way. And just this whole notion of like not wanting to continue learning, growing, expanding, you're going to, you're going to find yourself sort of slumping into that same thing. So these are the people I want to be surrounding myself with. Dustin Kalkbrenner, I talk about him a lot. When I met him years back to see where he is today, I mean like, geez, we probably have known each other for five or six years. And to see him just climb through the the ranks of the corporate realm of the world. And every time I see his boss, who is a CIO at a big company, every time I see him, all he talks about to me is how good Dustin is, which really drives me crazy. <laughs> Bill, if you're listening, because I know he's good. You've told me 10,000 times, not to mention I know him as a great friend and I know the way he performs. But I do want to give some context here because Dustin is very humble or modest and he does not like to brag for himself. So I'm going to brag for him. Bill, his boss, was actually just selected as the CIO of the year here in Pittsburgh. So to have the CIO of the year constantly talking to me about the performance levels of Dustin (laughs) speaks volumes to how much of a high-performing machine Dustin actually is. But there's a lot of people out there. Calvin Sales. I mean, the guy is a sales machine. It's funny because his last name is Sales. I didn't even think of that. Calvin, you are a machine. This guy is going for it. There's a realtor out there, Christian Wilhelm. I'm going to be talking about I think I'm going to be talking about him on another episode. And hopefully I'm getting him on the show. This guy, like, if, if Million Dollar Listing comes to Pittsburgh, this guy is going to get cast for the show. He is unbelievable. The guy is relentless with what he's trying to do in the real estate world, and he's doing really, really well. He's doing phenomenal. There are people in this third category. I mentioned in my last episode that I wanted to downgrade on the professional side when I left management consulting. I talked about how I was just traveling a lot. The stakes were really big. There was a lot of pressure, so to speak. At least there was for me. There might have been other people out there that just were like, oh, that's a... That's a day in the breeze. Um, But for me, it was difficult and I wanted to downgrade. I eventually found that I was not wired to just be a person who sits back in that same position, making the same salary for the next 30 years of my life. So I really started working towards those high stake initiatives at my new company and I worked my ass off. But truth be told, I have wrestled with this idea of what will I eventually become more than once. And even now, I report to a CIO and I work in the technology realm of the world, but becoming a CIO is not an ideal end goal for me right now. 
that next level, so to speak, is not something that I, I really desire, which is okay because I'm not really that close to that level yet. I have a ton, ton of things that I can, I can and will learn, and I have a ton of great work that I can do, but when I really unpack this idea, I start to realize that it's not moving up that I'm hesitant of. For me, an ideal end state might be in a totally different realm of life. Maybe it's me being a leadership consultant and working with a lot of executives. This platform is a great base for something like that because the platform meaning the podcast, it's a great base for something like that or you know, maybe it's not executives, maybe it's me working with kids who are trying to figure out which lens to look through when they're thinking about the world and what they want to what they want to be in this world and the footprint that they want to have and the dreams that they want to kind of chase down and how can i get them the right tools to get them to where they want to be or how or how can i help them think about where they want to go and then give them the right tools i talked about growing up blue collar in the past on past episodes if i would have stayed in a blue collar type field i would have capped myself pretty quickly on what i was going to become I just do not have the mindset or the skills or the desire to work in those areas. Like I don't even want to develop the skills, but I have friends who are amazing and who do extremely, and I mean extremely well in that area of life. I don't like to talk about salary necessarily, but I mean, I know people that are making some really big dollars. My nephew, Jake, is a perfect example of that right now, like that kind of person that's really going for it in the blue collar realm of the world. He's working for a degree in project management for construction, like a construction project management degree, while he works in construction, and he is not only learning amazingly valuable skills, he is making more money than I was making in my first couple of years in management consulting for one of the largest management consulting companies in the entire world. So here's my point. If you find yourself not wanting to climb or finding yourself with no desire to grow, I would try to figure out if maybe you're in the wrong pocket of life. I realize that some people are just wired and brainwashed to live a certain way, which is fine if that's truly what you desire, but I also am a big believer in Tony Robbins' mantra that we are humans and we desire growth and we and if we're not growing, we're dying. Maybe you're getting your growth from some other area of life, but I would I would hate to see a person not growing simply because they fall victim to this false belief that they could not become more. And when I go back to something I said, like I don't even have the desire to learn blue collar skills. I do not want to be a person that learns how to like be better putting on roofs. That there are people out there that are like that, and that's their realm of the world, that's their pocket, and they should develop all of the skills and keep growing and figuring out how they can do more and more and do it better and faster. But for me, if I were in that profession for whatever reason, I would be the worst person on that performance scale. I would be the person that's constantly not getting expectations or not meeting expectations. So if you find yourself in a situation where you just are really mediocre or even below mediocre, I would start to ask yourself, like, maybe if you're in the wrong pocket of life, is there another area that you want to be in that you will be the best of the best of the best? Like, 
everyone I mentioned, you know, Christian and real estate, Calvin and, and the sales that he has, and hopefully I get Calvin on the show too. We can learn more about what he's doing. All of these people, if I take them and I say, okay, let me go put you in a totally different pocket of life. Are they going to be high performers? Maybe, maybe. But I would suspect that there are many different pockets of life that I were to put them in, they would just kind of be capped because they're not wired that way. Like their brain's not wired to do certain things. Or, you know, maybe I'm the only person that's like this where I'm a very high performing person in one area of life. But if you put me in another area of life, I'm not, I don't know, whatever. But that's just kind of the way that I'm thinking about it. Okay. I also wanted to reiterate the piece on big people not laughing at ideas. I'm going to read this one more time. Now assume you repeat the same statement with equal sincerity to the president of your company. How will he react? One thing is certain. He will not laugh. He will look at you intently and ask himself, does this fellow really mean this? But he will not, we repeat, laugh because big people do not laugh at big ideas. And he actually goes on to give a story of a time he was in college and how he had this friend that was very negative, but I'll let you read that when you buy the book. (laughs) Now, the point I wanted to emphasize is that this is twofold. Not only do you have to be someone who is thinking big and is bold enough to have an idea and develop a plan, you also have to be a person that doesn't laugh at others. People with dreams are willing to climb mountains, but they often need someone to help guide them up the mountain some way, somehow. And we all need tools. We need the right tools to be successful. Relationship building skills, listening skills, emotional skills, thinking skills, communication skills, etc. Big people help to encourage. They help to build maps. They help to teach tools. And guess what? If you're a parent, then you probably know someone that has big ideas for the world. Don't laugh at them encourage them and help give them the tools or find them the right tools or people that have the right tools, help them break through their proximity limitations that exist in their life and teach them that while things may be impossible, what they are able to accomplish is far beyond the walls of mediocrity and they should push to see how far they can go. In the past, I've talked about this book, Rise of Superman, which goes into the importance of encouragement for children. And I posted a video of Kyle Maynard on the Leaders on the Rise Facebook group where he talks about the notion of impossible. Saying that nothing is impossible, it might be motivating, but it's not true. His point is he thinks of it like it's much more powerful for him to say like there are things that are impossible, but I'm going to push myself as far as I can possibly push myself to see what my limits are, to really test the boundaries of what is impossible to me. Something that he, as a quadruple amputee, has done his entire life. And his story is is really amazing. I would Google Kyle Maynard and check him out if you do not know that name. Okay, that's the show. The books I reference can be found at chadshipley.com forward slash shiz, or you just go to the website and click on the shiz tab, S-H-I-Z, And if you are not in the Leaders on the Rise group on Facebook, but want to join, send a request and I'll make sure to get you involved. That's a good way to stay in the community with all of the things that are coming out from a writing perspective, from a daily kind of motivational excerpt, motivational quote, motivational story. 
um, insightful story, that kind of content's published there. And then you get all of the updates for the show. Okay, that's it. Thanks.